Bill, I have this friend he just keeps saying to me, cheer up, chick. Cheer up. It could be worse. Cheer up. Yeah. You keep you, keep you your could, chin up. Cheer up. <laughs> you could be stuck underground in a hole full of water. I know he well, means well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but how much water is in that well? <laughs> That's a question. Stuck yeah. underground in a hole full of water. In the hole. That, know, that's how, you know, when you, wordy friends that you have, that's how they describe things. I, I, that, I've not you heard, mean a well? A, a, a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> uh, I That kind of leads into one of my questions. Yes. Uh, uh, you already have questions. It's serendipitous. We're only that, 10 seconds it, in. It's serendipitous. Because, but it, it. I was going to talk about this later Stop. in Are this podcast. Are you starting with the big words, too? I'm serendipitous. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was going to – Asked this later in the podcast, but and there's no answer. It's a it's sort of a, a circle question. But it's like as I've noticed as a society, those are called rhetorical, Bill. Rhetorical <laughs> rhetoric, rhetoric. But why is it in in a lot of people I know and, and so forth? When I talk about when I feel like I'm uh, uh, lamentful or when I feel like that I'm ha- melancholy or I want to to delve into this. Uh, feeling of, of like mournfulness they're always like oh yeah but but cheer up cheer up it, it yeah. could be worse what is wrong what is wrong with feeling a little bit uh, uh, melancholy you know what is it's wrong nothing. it's one of the range of emotions that right we have. right and, and why do we why do people say oh snap out of it be out of it you know uh, move along because they be- themselves don't want to be they maybe <laughs> that that's probably true but I I have a, a line in my Pinterest lines from my mind lines from my mind lines from my mind is my Pinterest one, one of my, one of Pinterest my, page there's a lot of lines in that line let me tell you <laughs> and it says there is beauty in sorrow Mm-hmm. And there is, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no need to like, you know, just oh, snap out of it. Be happy. Be happy. So I think we should all realize that. And I think that the beauty in sorrow is the connectivity of that everyone has been in that place. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a there's a connectivity. Well, so, I mean, a person should feel what she or he feels. Mm-hmm. Feel what you feel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, I, I think that there's beauty in that moment, poignancy in that mm-hmm. moment and just experience it mm-hmm. you know and, and not be afraid of it i think we're so we want to just be so happy all the time and snap out of it and uh, experience it because then you're likely to balance it with other mm-hmm. emotions yeah so i mean and you can be sorrowful and then also on the other end of the spectrum you can be wacky wacky like us <laughs> here we are number 30 what are you, 37 38 or 40 36, 36. <laughs> i can't keep up i can't keep up you know and i also wrote something else down sean Last October, I chose the path less familiar, and that has made all the difference. Uh-oh. I well, think no, you're plagiarizing someone. I, I am. I am. And I, I, because I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm to – We'll get there. We'll I'm, get there. I'm going to read this poem later. But, you know, last October you asked me to co-host this, and I was like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And now it's like, I'm glad I did that. <laughs> So it's made all the difference. I can do that. I can do that. And Yay. I am doing that. I think I'm doing I can. that. I can. Here. Cheers. Cheers Here, to that. Cheers. There we go. Nice. Yeah. Nice nice blue bottle of something we're (laughs) drinking right here. 
It has relax on it, so we're going to relax anyway. So. Yeah, but it's not milk with magnesium. No, it's not. I said it was a blue bottle and we're relaxing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we don't want that. <laughs> Young folks out there are like, milk and magnesia. magnesia. What the M-O-M. heck are those two old folks talking yeah, about? right. Hi, right. everybody. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Wacky Poem Life. Here yeah. you are. Here we are. Yeah. It is episode 36, Get Stuck. Get Stuck. Get Stuck. <laughs> We've all been stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I get stuck. So normally every week you're used to us, hopefully, uh, listening to us every week on um, wackypoemlife.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we talk about a poem that someone has left here in the Rural Oklahoma Museum of Poetry where we're recording. Right. And we are going to do something. We've done a few little different things, and right. we are yeah. today, too. We're, we're sort of leaving this uh, a string from the script a little bit. Yes, a little. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool to do that once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to talk about thing uh, poems that have gotten stuck in our heads, right through the years, yes. or or recently. And you're, I bet there's a lot of poetry stuck in your. There head. is a lot of poetry stuck yeah. in my head. You have a whole forest of leaves that need to be turned <laughs> over and read. <laughs> you know, I don't know where that came from, but just. It just seemed like it was appropriate. <laughs> Maybe we just need to dive into those leaves dive in my leaves head and first. just scatter them. Scatter them around. Sometimes yeah, I do that. Yeah, it's always fun. Always fun. I do have a lot of poems memorized in my head, but actually there's really not any of those that I want to talk about today. It's other ones. Other ones. That, that have been stuck. Well, one of them may be a little bit like that. Yeah. So, yeah, poems that have uh, just gotten stuck in our heads and, and why and wherefore and however and nevertheless and where to for and – all those for. others, uh, conjunctive adverbs. And what kind of poems <laughs> get stuck in your head, Sean? Is it one particular theme or is it just a variety? Are you drawn to one particular theme of, of, of poem? Because I am, personally. I think I'm I'm really drawn to poems that there is some sort of, of mystery and it usually is something to do with the natural world. And then that mystery is often connected to just the human processes. Hence, of the mind. Well, hence your fascination with murder mysteries. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's a sprouting true. of that little twig. Yeah. Yeah. The mine is darkness mine is in the shadows. Darkness in the sh- dark shadows. Oh, dark shadows. Sh- here we go. Subconscious. <laughs> Barnabas Collins. But, you know, mine is nature themes. Yeah. Mine is, yeah. Uh, I absolutely, I'm drawn to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and always, and have been since a, uh, a very child, very young child looking under rocks. Yeah. You know? Our next exhibit that we're going to have here at the museum, it's going to open in August. I'm putting it together right now. It's going to be, it's called 15 Tip, 15 Themes in Poetry. Oh, that's cool. 15 Tip. 15 Tip. And one of them, of course, is nature. Nature. So there's there's going to be something representing that. Oh, I I kind of know what it is, but I'm not going to (laughs) say. I got a peek. You've been yeah. seeing them all over my office as I've been working. I've on been them. running into them, <laughs> saying hello, excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you've, uh, for some reason, this is the first time you've listened to us. This is a little bit different from what we normally do, but then it'll, it'll, it'll be the same too. Yeah. 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 And speaking of, of, and I'll tell some bad jokes like I started with. And I'll try to guess those bad joke punchlines. <laughs> you know, as I always like do. we do, like we do. Yeah. But my favorite author wrote something that I, I, I'm interpreting as a poem, but it's more like some advice. But I want to read it to you and ask your opinion, Sean. Okay. I uh, posted a, a, a video of um, Sunrise on my back deck a few days ago, and I came across this uh, saying from my favorite author. Our minds as well as our bodies have the need of the out of doors. Our spirits, too, need simple things, elemental things, 
the sun and the wind and the rain, moonlight and starlight, sunrise and mist, and mossy forest trails, the perfumes of dawn and the smell of fresh-turned earth, and the ancient music of wind among the trees. I just think that is just everything. Yeah. Everything. You and know? who's that by? Edwin Teal. Edwin mm-hmm. Way Teal. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful author. I knew that, but I was going to make you say well, it. I, of course. <laughs> I, I, I need to say that. You know, He's no longer with us, but I've loved his books, and I reread them over and over yeah. and over. Well, it's definitely a poem. Was it written as a form? It was not written a as a poem. It was okay. written as just a, a, a prose. sort of— Prose, yeah. Exactly. A prose, mm-hmm. a, a, a preface to one of his chapters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you yeah. know that's a poem. That's why you picked it. Exactly. Intrinsically, I thought, this is poetry. Mm-hmm. What, right. it, what about it? said poetry to you. Well, it was just the fact that it, it embodied a, a feeling. It gave me a feeling uh, um, of what I long for, and it gave me a feeling of what I search for mm-hmm. in, in, in writing. And it gave you that because it was very vivid in its imagery. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it wasn't telling you what to think or do. It just showed you a picture, and that picture, you know, in your head evoked those feelings. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I thought someone else feels the way I feel. Yeah, there was kinship and connectivity. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I love this man's work, and yeah. I've, uh, people, not many people know who he is, but he's a Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, uh, writer. Yeah. So, I thought I would share that's that with awesome. everyone. Thank Yay, you. Yeah, that's a Thank good you. one. That's a good Thank one to you. start with. Yeah. Well, while we're on the the theme of uh, nature, I. Actually, I'm going to do this little short one. This is a poem that's been stuck in my head, and I've been using it over the years for different things. And right now it's actually down at the rummage store. Uh, This is the Romp Rummage Store here in Locust Grove. This is a thrift store. It's a treasure trove. Yes, just a few blocks from where we are on Main Street. It's also on Main Street, and it supports the museum. Mm -hmm. We would not exist without the rummage Mm -hmm. store. And um, this poem is on the uh, the window (laughs) at the rummage store. My good friend, Sarah Van Horn. Hi, Sarah. Absolutely. Uh, Made, um, I don't know what you call it, as a decal Mm -hmm. that had the whole poem on it. And uh, she put it up. And I remember when she put it up and she came back and she said, I left out a line and, and the and the poet's name. And I'm like, well, oh, you know, it's still – no, I've got to finish it. So she came back okay. and finished it. It's a Sarah Teasdale poem. Okay. It's called Night. Stars over snow and in the west a planet swinging low below a star. Look for a lovely thing and you will find it. It is not far. It will never be far. How nice. Yeah. Yeah. It will never be far. There's comfort in that. Yeah. Look for it. It will never be far. Yeah. It reminds me of a lot of times we don't see what's right in front of us. Oh, right. You know? (laughs) Right. We take for granted. Yeah. Or we look at it, but we're not really seeing it. Um, And that's the issue. Because what we see is what we choose to see. Yes. Yeah. Rose-colored glasses yeah. syndrome, mm-hmm. which I think we did a while back. Mm-hmm. A it's a, the negative people that I've sometimes had in my life. You know, I don't hang around with them. And uh, there's there's some that are still around. But I don't hang around with them because they have they just don't have the ability or they haven't learned it. And why wouldn't they have learned it by being by me? I don't know. <laughs> but they, you know, they Osmotically don't. Osmotically <laughs> absorbed. 
<laughs> they don't look for the lovely thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and that's so important. And just going out at night and and looking up at the stars every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, because there there are lovely things all around us amidst the horrors, and it's what we choose to see. It's what you what you concentrate on gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's lots certain, of things in the night sky. There's lots of things in the world around us. Yeah, there there are. There's certainly. And speaking of to that, like I said, on that same vein, mm-hmm. the video I posted of, uh, of it was 65 degrees in the morning a few mornings ago, and it was 5:30 a.m. and the sun was not quite up yet, and there are thousands of frogs down on the river, and I thought, man, beep, 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 yeah, right. Beep, I thought, beep, man, beep, they're beep, loud. They're so <laughs> yeah. loud when they all get together yeah, in their and concert. Like, y'all, are, y'all are carrying on down. Y'all having some fun down there. <laughs> But I thought, I'm going to film this. So I got my <laughs> camera and I filmed it. And I heard my indigos and my other wrens and my birds and this and that. I did a pan around and I stopped. And I thought, hmm. And I I was looking at the video. And after a day or two, I posted a response to my video because mm-hmm. I thought, this is not going to last. It's not going to last. <laughs> yeah. And what I wrote was, in the late fall, when the sun is still warm but the leaves have a tinge, when it's been hot and dry for weeks and the only sound is the sound of an occasional cricket or a grasshopper in a dry patch of grass, I suddenly notice the silence, the absence of the cacophony of sound, and I'll remember mornings like this. Ooh. And I thought, I thought, I will remember. Th- it, 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 right. It was. <laughs> hey, folks, I'm the, making the Bill on, into a poet. The hair on, him into a poet. The hair on Sean's arms was standing up right now. <laughs> but um, I, I was, it was just one of those, like, uh, I, I, auditorially, I was, I, I was, like, amazed visually mm-hmm. and then tactily with the wind and the, and the temperature. So it was like a trifecta. Mm-hmm. And I thought, in September, when it's hot and dry and I hear that dry grass rustling, I'll look back and I'll remember this rainforest morning. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is what I'll re- and, and they're all beautiful, but I'll remember this one particularly. So I was out late last night, and which is not normally happened. You know, normally I'm asleep by ten o'clock, and then I got home. It was about eleven thirty or so, and as soon as I got out of the car, and I kind of live out in the country, but it's not deep woods. But there was an owl, mm-hmm. or two owls, right next to the house. I could yeah. tell they were in a tree right next to the right. house. Woo-hoo! Oh yeah, right. Back and forth with each yes. other. Woo-hoo! Yeah. And um, <laughs> I grabbed my phone, you know, because I wanted to record this, the sound of it. And, of course, yeah. they stopped. Of course. Yeah. As and then as do. soon as yes. I pressed stop, they started up again. But it <laughs> right. was it was such a cool sound to hear, you know. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. Right there. So so present and near. And of kind course, of primordial to hear, to hear the owls. Yeah. You know, yeah, that close. Do you hear whippoorwills where you're at? Yes. Oh, what yeah. do you call them? What do you call those birds? <laughs> what are you right? And they're. Nocturnal, nocturnal birds, right? A nightbird. Nightbird. I don't know. Uh, nightbird. I just I call them whippoorwills. Some of them, some people call them uh, will of the whip, something like this. Really? I thought these are whippoorwills. I thought mm-hmm. the whippoorwill, the oh, whippoorwill. Yeah. Whippoorwill. And I just, I just love that lonesome little call. Oh yeah, and the know? morning doves. And the doves. The doves. Yeah, they're so sad. Yeah, it sounds so. Yeah, just mournful, mournful. Mournful, mournful. We're, we're on our, we're on our. Bir- Sean, you're an amazing bird caller. We're gonna have to have uh, have you on the. Uh, on the <laughs> but yeah, I don't have. So. I could do a woodpecker, but that would that would, that would cause some that, problems. That would hurt your nose. Here. That would hurt your nose, wouldn't it? <laughs> so anyway, that that poem has been stuck in my head for many many years, and. Um, 
And so that's one that I've always used at the rummage store to to, to greet people as they're coming in because, you know, look for a lovely thing. Look for a lovely in thing. In the thrift store, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that poetry alive. Yes. Yes. Buy that VHS tape, buy please. Buy the VHS tape. Or Actually, that... we don't sell the VHS tapes. You, they're free if you'll buy anything. We, we give away VHS tapes. So there's going to be a please. VHS playhouse somewhere made out of VHS tapes by someone, you know. But I was um, – um, Another another favorite author that uh, of mine that has stuck in my mind, and I want to know what you think of this very common poem. Okay. Because the very last line has haunted me, and I love it for – I've loved it since I was, I guess, an early teenager. So it's by uh, Robert Frost. Oh. And I'm, I will I, – I'll, I'll, I'll tell the title in a minute, but I will say it. Whose woods are these? I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near. Between the woods and the frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year, he gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. Mm-hmm. I have loved that last forever. Yeah, it's that's just, one I, I have memorized. Is it, you have that memorized? Yeah. I so always think that's one of, that stuck both of us, hadn't it? Yes, and, and it doesn't have to be winter. It, uh, I, it could be a summer's evening, and, yeah. I, and I, look in the, I look in the woods, and, and there will be a, a sound or a, an animal mm-hmm. that I don't quite recognize, mm-hmm. and I think of this poem, The Woods mm-hmm. Are Lovely, Dark and Deep. Mm-hmm. And I could stand here listening, and, listen. and yeah. or I could sit out here, and I could watch the you know the shadows move, or some little creatures come out. Right. Forever. Yeah. But I have promises. We, all, to we keep. always have promises to keep, <laughs> don't we? And it's like it pull you away from this moment. Yeah. So I, I, I just love that. I've I always rem- loved that poem. I remember one one of the interpretations of that poem is well, of a lot of his poems was that people thought that he kind of had a death wish in his poems and that there was always this longing for a darkness and a, you know an end an end to things mm, yeah. um, to be to be covered up to be lost in the in the oblivion or whatever so you know stopping there at the woods and contemplating am i going to keep going yeah um, it's well i have promises to keep and miles to go before i sleep so you know deciding no right i'm going to go on it's almost like um, it's almost similar to his other poem, very similar to his other poem, which I plagiarized, so I need to set it right. <laughs> Two roads diverged in a wood. Oh, yeah. And I I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Mm-hmm. And how in life is that so, you know, we were talking about my life choices and, and yours, and people do have choices, and the mm-hmm. choices you make make all the difference. Yeah. We yeah. hope they're the right ones. Yeah, and we hope to, we get to keep making them. We hope we do get to keep making them. Oh, please, yes, right. So as we're, can, we're as not you, going off on that topic. As you can, right, right. That's a that's a cliff. But as you can see, I love Robert Frost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I do too. Okay. And another one is is real really short one that's stuck in my head. It's um, the way a crow shook down on me. The dust of snow from a hemlock tree has taken my heart from out of its mood and changed some part 
of a day I had rude. Rude. And I remember that yeah. poem, and I thought, you know, people, do you understand? You, <laughs> rude is an, a very vague uh, term, and it's not rude. It's rude. Rude, e- R-U-E-D. R-U-E-D, yeah, correct. Yeah. But just a crow, you know, haphazardly shakes a little snow and down on you, come out and of that his... changes your whole mood. Changed it. Like the owls like last the owls. night whenever I came in. Absolutely. Well, okay, so we're still on nature, so okay. I'm going to get to, to right. this poem. Okay. okay. So this is one. It, it, it's a little bit longer. It is one that, that, that I don't have memorized, but it has haunted me through the years, specifically from around 1985, whenever the book came out that it was in. This is a poem called Haunts. It's by David Baker, who is very much still alive and living and working and writing great poetry. And you should look him up. And I asked him if I could read the poem. And he was so wonderful. He said, of course. Uh, I revised that poem Mm -hmm. and made it a little bit better. And he published it in a, in a different book. The original book it was in was just called Haunts in 1985. And then in 2019, he put out a book called Swift, New and Selected Poems. And, uh, and this book and this poem ends the book. He said the, the, the poems are in the book in reverse chronological order. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool. And then he sent me a copy of the revision. Yeah. So that's the one I'm so going to read. So he was read. very excited so, about this. Yeah, yes. thank you. Thank uh-huh. you, Mr. Baker. Right. You all look him up. He has a new book that's out okay. right now, too. There is an an epigraph that goes with this, and halfway through the poem, there is an italicized section, and I think, and the point of view changes a little bit, so I think you'll understand where the italics start. But the epigraph, this is Haunts by David Baker. Salt Lake deputy sheriffs have identified a skeleton found above 10,000 feet as that of a hunter reported missing from his home 27 years ago. Salt Lake Tribune. In the bleached, bone-white glow of a winter dawn, he has risen, past the old truck road snowed in this close to timberline. These months, when hunger drives the herds of whitetail and elk down from higher country and drives the dogged hunters up, he pauses, hand to trunk, of twisted scrub pine, puffing hard, a ghost of breath shredding in the wind. All this time... And only now have I seen him, painfully squinting, loaded down like the young hunter he is, shells jammed into pockets like deadly change, brand new boots lugging a thirty-aught thirty broken over his arm and down-pointing like a dog on scent. I did not know until now how far he has come, so early, slogging like a pilgrim just to get to Gobbler's Knob, 5,000 feet above the Mormon Valley, whose schools today will be empty, whole family stalking deer. Only a few, he knows, will push this high to where the starving bucks wander, haunting the white hills year after year for less and less. He touches his gloves to his face, numb, sweating, fingers the safety, tries to focus, Farther in the ice glare of morning sun, I did not know he has been with me all this time. The morning I was born, the length of a country away, but the same cold week of his climb, the main snow fell in fistfuls, my father says. 
All I felt, I suppose, was the first chilled slap of breath at 5 a.m., and later the draft of the white room above the elderly landlady. How happy she had been to have a baby boy in the house once more, and how surprised. What? David? For me? My father draws to tell it. So she smiled to hold the child, wrapped him warm in her thinning quilt, pressing him to her, as if against the cold days of her own small life. The snow packed deeper into the breaking shapes of the firs, and she sang as she rocked him long and at last to sleep. No one knew then that a hunter had died in Utah. No one knew what happened to the boy until last week when a skeleton was found beneath a stand of scrub pine, high up Gobbler's Knob, wallet sodden beneath a generation of pine needles. Gun stock rotten, safety on. I see him now, again, grimly white on the hillside in the bitter afternoon, as the storm swells, sun gone, the wind hounds him and he bends, straining to breathe the high ice crust, though such an echo is plenty to rouse a deer. But no longer does he raise his head in the promise of that distance. He will not go much farther, I can tell now. Soon the snow will whip so hard he will cry out. He will surely stumble, weak-angled, hurt. Weak-angled, ankled, hurt. There will be nothing I can do as his face freezes like a fist. He will just huddle beneath a small pine to rest. He will try to rub his legs and remember his name. He will stay there, finally too cold to shiver, relaxing, gun on lap, and look over the beautiful, sweeping emptiness the world has become for all of my life. Wow. Well, you know, that is startling. <laughs> yeah. It catches you. Oh, it startles you, doesn't it? Gets you stuck. Yeah. Gets it stuck yeah. in your head. But what a way to, you know, oh. ease on out. Yeah. You know, overlooking, you know, as we said, observing, overlooking. and mm-hmm. Wow. And it's I, the title haunts is appropriate to what the poem is about, of mm-hmm. course, and and then it's also just it is a poem that has haunted me yeah. through the years. Just that synchronicity of thinking about someone who died when you were born, someone you didn't know on the other side of a country who you had no connection with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the connection is, you know. We're right. human beings on yes. this planet, true, true. <laughs> and our experiences are very different, and we can still feel a kinship with each a other. Kinship, a kinship, very much a kinship. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It just has stuck with me because of this feeling of being um, being alive in a time when maybe not others are, but that you still have a a connection and others with people from the past who, who, and, and there are a few people who are alive also mm-hmm. like you are maybe <laughs> you, you know but you're they're fewer and farther between i kind of teared up when oh, i was I, reading that poem were, it, it means it means a lot to you yes yeah. <clears throat> certainly yeah. Yeah. beautiful so, words and to have the and to have the author reach out to you personally and say well certainly here's a revised version well i remember <clears throat> i remember uh, david baker quite well because he came to i was actually 
uh, taking a course at Kansas State University, which I never finished. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, I was there. <laughs> and, Sean was here. <laughs> and uh, a poet that was there at the time, Jonathan Holden, he had David Baker come. This book had just come out, and he did a reading. And I bought the book, and he signed the book, and it's like well met in mm-hmm. Kansas, and he, that's what he wrote. And he was he was very nice. And there was a party, you know, the English major party uh, after the reading, and he was there. And I was talking to him, and I don't even remember what we were talking about. And then one of my um, English major, you know, compadres came up, and as she always did, just bluntly inserted herself into the into the conversation and just ignored yeah. anything I was saying and mm-hmm. just started talking to him directly. And he said. Um, well, Sean here was talking. About he rec- he yeah. recognized the intrusion, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that that was very nice, and you know, just a tiny moment, mm-hmm. but that's something that I've remembered remember. over the years too. So he was just as gracious and generous in his personal self as as he is in his poetry. Yeah, and yeah. How often does a poem elicit that emotional response in you? Yeah, that's uh, what uh, every poet wants. That's what they too. want. Yeah, is that connection that. That just wide open. Yeah, you got me. You yeah. really got me. Yeah, you know. And his poetry is always it. It this is much one one of his much older ones, but it's always um, touched me in this vein because it is it is very uh, evocative of at a time and an experience and um, just often narrative like this yeah. one is. Yeah. But not not prosaic. You know, not mm-hmm. not fiction. Yeah. I'd like to read that, uh, um, you know, like borrow that and read it and okay. digest it, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I would like to. Yeah. 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 There's a lot going on in and, it. You know, we were on a deer theme uh, again. Like yeah, a, I thought about that after you, I picked this because I knew you were going to talk. So, 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 uh, I didn't realize it till after I picked it. That's interesting because I, yeah. thought, I thought you purposely. No. Well, you know, I had a situation where and I don't know why this is about me. I'm quirky. And I live a long distance from you my work. You don't know why you're quirky. I don't know why. But I notice animals when they have been um, hit by automobiles. I notice them. And I it's it, I and feel you want somebody to do something about kind them. Kind of, yes, that, that too. But I often wonder, you know, A, why did you not get out of the way of the vehicle? And B, what horror you must have experienced as, mm-hmm. a, as a living creature. Well, several weeks ago, there was a large doe that was hit just down from my my house off of the high, on the highway. And there she was, legs up in the air, you know, under under some uh, yellow arrows. And I noticed that her she had a large udder, and uh, I think she might have recently given birth because she was full of milk, apparently. And so I was didn't think much of it. I thought, oh, I hope they cleaned up the, the get her up and out before she, you know, draws other animals and creates more of a hazard. Uh-huh. Well, a couple of days later, I was walking my dogs out, and I heard this little bleeding kind of a cry, like a little bleeding lamb or something and the dogs were sort of alerted to it i put them back in the house and i was walking out toward the barn toward some dry brush and i noticed this tiny this little fawn that had crossed the road and it was up in the and i thought well i'm not going to chase it but i thought i hope that is not the fawn of the deer that was killed and it would just uh and i told you about it maybe i posted about it and you it elicited you to um Give me a poem, which I didn't read till a few days after you'd given it to me, and it sort of like just sprung on me. Mm-hmm. So I thought I might read the poem you gave me That's because right. it really because means, you know what that one's has haunted me through the years. Has too. it? Well, so this is a mutual it, haunt. It startled me, yeah. You know, but this is called "Traveling Through the Dark" by William Stafford, yeah. William E. Stafford. 
traveling through the dark, I found a deer, dead on the edge of Wilson River Road. It is usually best to roll them into the canyon. That road is narrow. To swerve might make more dead. By glow of the taillight, I stumbled back of the car and stood by the heap. A doe, a recent killing. She had stiffened already, almost cold. I dragged her off. She was large in the belly. My fingers touching her side brought me the reason. Her side was warm. Her fawn lay there waiting, alive, still, never to be born. Beside that mountain road I hesitated. The car aimed ahead its lowered parking lights. Under the hood purred the steady engine. I stood in the glare of the warm exhaust turning red. Around our group I could hear the wilderness listen. I thought hard for us all, my only swerving, then pushed her over the edge into the river. Oh, it yeah. just really startled <laughs> me, you know, to think you know, that, that, that even though she's dead, there was still life in her. And we, there's a, there, there's the crossroads. Yeah. You know, yeah. there is no choice. Decision to be there made. There is no choice, mm-hmm. um, really. Yeah. And, you know, fairness is something we humans put on situations. And uh, fair or not, I don't know what fairness is in this situation. But No, because we're traveling through the dark. We're traveling through the dark. <laughs> but I thought this is really – what we have here, we have sort of a thread. Have you noticed that we, without realizing it, you're – What have we done? With uh, uh, the, uh, the deer, the, the imagery, the, um, uh, the, the nature theme. The, uh, it, it's all intertwined and have very, we gone in like Ariadne with the with the the, the ball of whatever thread? that means are that we going to find the minotaur I, in the I, center of the maze well that sounds good to me <laughs> why not yeah. the minotaur yeah. kills people well we don't want to find that I, I was thinking of I was thinking of a centaur centaurs are nicer than minotaurs centaurs. you know centaurs, oh. are, centaurs are half horses oh, minotaurs my. Gosh, there's so much synchronicity here, Bill. Really? Because another poem, I didn't bring it, mm-hmm. but another poem that has been stuck in my head through time is The Centaur by Mae Swinton. Are you serious? I am totally serious. If you all want to read an amazing poem, look up Mae Swinton, The Centaur. Well, we're kind of uh, we're kind of mentally synchronized <laughs> here without even knowing it, yeah. you know. Is there, is there like a large cloud loop <laughs> circling over the museum here as we speak? Well, that poem, and the, actually this one you just read traveling through the dark by William Stafford. They're very much anthologized, and both of them are usually in like high school textbooks too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're fairly fairly well known. Mm-hmm. Um, but as often, unfortunately, is the case, not much poetry gets shared with students when they get to high school. And I've harped about that right in the past. Yeah, and I won't go into that now, but. So it, it's very possible that those had been in, in books that students had and they never got to read them. Do you think in this poem, when we realize that the doe has a live fawn inside of her, for a moment we think, oh, he discovered the fawn. It's going, he's going to eviscerate her, <laughs> open her, and, 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 and rescue the fawn. Because the, there's yeah. that, there's that uh, with the, oh, good, he's, he found, discovered it. Yeah. And then he realizes he rolls yeah. the fawn and the doe off the edge and realizes there, yes. you realize there is no other no. viable choice. No, there really is not. Not at all. And uh, like I said, there is beauty in sorrow mm-hmm. here back to mm-hmm. our we made a full circle here mm-hmm. so uh, i 
it's beautiful, it's sorrowful, and it, as humans, we we apply these terms. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and nature doesn't. You know, it's just fact. Um, so is this poem going to haunt you now, even though it's fairly new to you? Uh, it will. It will. Every time I and it, let me tell you what will happen. Every time I see and <laughs> tell I, me and I see tell me. and I see many uh, deer that are. I will hit, let you tell me. I see many deer that are hit on the <laughs> on the road uh, all year long, uh, to and from work and, mm-hmm. and, and around. I'm going to think is think it, is there a fawn? Is this is this deer expecting? A, it, I will think of this poem mm-hmm. so that there will be be that connection yes so you're correct okay well yep. you know my lover the online etymology <laughs> right. dictionary yes. did tell me that i looked up haunt the word haunt and it has various uh, definitions that are kind of interesting it comes from our old friend the proto indo-european root chai, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means to settle dwell be home be home yeah, yeah. To be home. There's also other uh, definitions of it. Uh, it did mean at one time to have sexual intercourse with. Hunt? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. It, had a, it was a old French. It gives a whole new term to haunted house. Yeah, those old <laughs> French used it as a sex. <laughs> well, that's going to oh, also haunt me, Sean, <laughs> to be quite honest. And then Shakespeare used uh, haunt in Midsummer's Night's, Night's Dream, that poem. Uh, as a spirit or a ghost, that was one of the first times it was used as as that, that meaning. In that meaning, uh-huh. yeah. And uh, a place frequently visited is a haunt. Is a haunt. You know. Right, right. So this just Mal goes haunting al- grounds. Yeah. yeah. So this just goes along with poems. You know, poems that are stuck in our heads are haunting us. They frequently come back to us. Uh, they're ghosts. They're spirits. Uh, another meaning is a habit or custom. Habit or custom. Place that's frequently visited. Yeah. And we, beautiful means one thing. Hauntingly beautiful takes it to a new level for me. Yeah. I use and I use that term. I'm not sure why I use that term so often, but I do. It was hauntingly beautiful, or hauntingly, hauntingly po- beautiful. poetic, or hauntingly uh, something. I, I, I preface it with that. I'm not sure why. Maybe I just think it sounds cool. I'm do, not Bill, sure. do you know what happened when a piece of toilet paper tried to cross, oh cross the road? Oh my goodness! Speaking of, you know. <laughs> I don't know what segue that was. What happened? I feel we need to uplift a bit. What, what happened when the and the piece of toilet paper tried to cross the road? Oh, he got. Yeah, he, he didn't make it. Do you know why? He didn't make it. I, I, I can't imagine. That's a tragedy, but I can't imagine why he didn't. He got make stuck it. in the crack. Crack. Uh, stuck in the crack. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like that little chihuahua. That, like the little chihuahua that woman lost, and all the time it was in her sundress that she was wearing. <laughs> I had not heard oh, that one. Do you know what you call two birds that are stuck together? Um, they're lovebirds. Velcros. <laughs> <laughs> they're Velcroed together. <laughs> what do you call a book club that's been stuck on one book for years? Oh, goodness. A, a, not a very... Church. Church. <laughs> not a very fast weeder. <laughs> <laughs> what accent are you doing right now? I don't I'm know. doing the Tweety Bird. <laughs> oh, Tweety Bird. Like, Tweety Bird. Are, is that trying to be German? Tweety I Bird. I've had, too much, I've had too much wheezing. <laughs> I love this one. What do you get when a bee is stuck in a garage? Fat lip. <laughs> <laughs> this is a word lover's joke. Oh, okay. Because the answer is garbage. Gar- <laughs> you get it? Yes. <laughs> You see, you do. Oh, we have. We it's have, hot in this room. My air conditioner's not working. We have traversed that mountain. Yes, we have. 
We're we're actually way over thirty minutes, Uh-oh. and we're not even. I mean, I still had one more poem. Did you? Well, I, I did not. Mine, you did not. I, I utilized one. all of my. Maybe I monopolized <laughs> too much of this time. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's it's been great. I I hope you all have enjoyed it too. Did you? The wanna, other poem. Did well, you wanna, you want to say it or you want to wait? Well, the other poem was just one that is is. Again, it's in the anthologies all the time. It's one of Emily Dickinson's most well-known poems. I don't think it's one of her great ones, but it's it's a very well-known one. I'm nobody. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Or number two sixty, if you're, you're you know you're being uh, very scholarly correct. Number two sixty because she didn't title her poems. Okay. And I this one has been stuck in my head since I was probably in sixth grade, and it was in it must have been in our English textbook. And I was over at my cousin's house one time, and we wrote the poem down on a piece of paper and hung it on the wall in her bedroom. Oh, okay. And it's a poem about identity, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the themes that's going to come up in this exhibit I'm working on now. But the picture, if you go to wackypoemlife.com, the picture you're going to see on there is a page from a note my my cousin Luann wrote to me. this is from 1974 or 75. I still have it. It's a 15-page mm-hmm. note. And there's a little section in it where she says, Remember that thing in my room that just, I'm nobody, who are you? Well, someone tore half of it. That made me mad. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I was half mad. This is Lost a, half of it. It's a crazy note. I actually I actually did a show once where I read this entire note to the audience. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Very, very junior high. But anyway, so the poem is, I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell. They'd advertise you know. How dreary to be somebody. How public like a frog. To tell one's name the livelong day to an admiring bog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How unladylike. She loved being nobody. Yeah. But did she, she did. But Sean, did she know she was not she was her being nobody was short gonna be short lived? I'm sure I mean Actually she lived to I thought she um, I didn't realize she lived till she was fifty six. Would her fame now um, send her, give her chills? Or would she not be comfortable with the amount of fame she now has? Well, she, that's that, that's that's rhetorical, theoretical. <laughs> Who knows? You know. Yeah, she was not known at all mm-hmm. in her lifetime. You know, her poems were discovered she for the, the most ba- part the afterwards. Van Gogh of the of the of the of the of poetry. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but she lived a, a very solitary, but as far as we can tell, uh, a very happy life. Yeah. Too. And, happy in her um, yeah. environment. So that's that's just another one of those haunts, another one of those poems that stuck with me through time. And stuck. I think with a lot of people, when they mention Emily Dickinson, that's one of the poems that they really remember. A lot of people can identify with that. Yeah. Do you know, I, I saw this interview on TV the other day, Bill, and there oh. was this guy. He was stuck in a cave, and he had Ooh. to eat his own leg oh, to that survive. Is, you know, I hate it when that happens. I know. And the reporter... The reporter was describing him like he was very brave and courageous. But, yeah. but you know what? I just – I didn't really like him. You know why? Because he had leg breath. He was full of himself. <laughs> <laughs> I hate when they're full of themselves. You know? I hate that. I hope we don't seem full of ourselves. But, Not at all. But we've been talking um, for – uh, 42 minutes 42. Now. Stay with us, people. <laughs> so we're a little a little over our time. We're a little over. Uh, that we normally do. But it was, a, it was a different kind of a It theme. was. I enjoyed doing this one. It's neat to do something like this every once in a while. But recently we've been getting uh, more and more visitors into the museum. Yeah, right. I think yes. we had um, 
the Discover Oklahoma, the the Oklahoma TV station came and they did a little uh, segment on us, which you can see if you go to rompoetry.com. And I think that's brought some people in and just so there's a lot more poems out there. Right. That we have to to use for That's future right. episodes. We just had a group of people from Tulsa in here this morning. They they very were enthousi- wonderful. Very enthusiastic, weren't they? <gasps> very enthusiastic. Yeah. They they read everything. They wrote poems. They they bought books and and t shirts and such. And yeah, so yeah. we'll have to look at their poems. Absolutely. Well, wouldn't that be nice? Use those in the future because we've told them about the podcast, and we told so them about the need, podcast. I would like yeah. to review their poetry and see what we might yeah. want to yeah yeah analyze and add. Well, thank you all for listening, and we still would uh, appreciate you all. We did start our uh, finally start a page that's just the Wacky Poem Life page on Facebook. If you all would go there and share it and comment. We're trying yeah. to get more people to comment on there. Yes. And we'd still love you to go to Apple Podcast and give us a review. Give us a review. We have some good five-star reviews on there. We'd love to have more. Right. And uh, and we appreciate you. Yeah. We pre- stay, stay with us and more and adventures stay to come. Stay wacky. Co- stay wacky. More adventures to come. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>